0: Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get phone calls on my cell phone, which is really irritating. Phone calls in the way where they say I've won a trip, or I can go uh, on this vacation trip in some way, some kind. Uh, whenever that happens, it's kind of an automated voice, an uh, electronic voice. I know I'm going to hang up, and I don't need to listen to this. Well, uh, Josh Shelton, a pastor over at our Park Place Evangelical Church, he actually answered the call, and a uh, little shout out to Josh. He put his reaction on facebook about uh what went on he said i've been selected by royal caribbean to go on a cruise sweet and then his mom chimed in he and she said wow can i watch the kids and i thought good move grandma i can appreciate that move as a grandparent and then josh said sure might be a very long cruise and uh, as you can probably imagine and grandma just said perfect and I think that, uh, that sums that up pretty well as far as Grandma's point of view. Another person said, a trip on a floating Petri dish. Great. Sounds awesome. And then someone else asked uh, from his church, who are the other nine people? Because, of course, there's ten that can only be allowed on the cruise. And uh, Josh said, well, Park Place Church cruise only. Sorry. And then his mom said, well, obviously, you don't love us. I think it was just a hilarious interaction there going on. But the free cruise offer? A free cruise trip offer? Really? Probably not the best timing, considering how some of those cruises have ended up these days uh, of coronavirus. But definitely, some major strings were attached to that deal. And I remember uh, while we, while we were living down in in Salem, uh, the Costco down there, we'd go and visit every now and then to get our stuff and all that. But uh, as we were there in Salem uh, visiting Costco one time, there's a guy who was over in the electronics area where I was, and we were I was looking at different stuff, and he came up to me and started talking to me in friendly conversation, and it was nice, and I thought he was pretty friendly, it was pretty neat, and then I discovered that uh, he was actually using that opportunity to offer me a deal I couldn't refuse. Uh, He handed me his business card and tried to get me to be involved with some kind of business venture that he was going to be doing. There were strings attached to his friendly encounter with me, definitely. you know, When someone promises you something with no strings attached, that means that the other that this offer comes with without hidden conditions. Now I've looked that phrase up to try to figure out where did this come from? And I discovered that the figure of speech actually goes back to early days in the cloth selling industry. A small flaw in a fabric would be marked by a string so that it could easily be spotted. So if a, a piece of fabric had no strings attached, buyers could assume it had no flaws. Our savior's love comes with no strings attached, no flaws ruin his perfect love for us. And he looks for the same from us in return, no, uh, unblemished, unblemished love, uh, a no, com- no strings attached commitment, something that we need to offer to God as followers of Jesus. And I believe that as followers of Jesus, we need to realize that our commitment to him is a call to surrender and obey With no strings attached. We're getting back into the series of messages about the power of the cross. And today, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture that gives us insight into what it means to be followers of Jesus with no strings attached. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, put your cereal down, bowl of cereal or orange juice, and let's look at Mark chapter 10. And we're going to look at, uh, starting with verse 17. I'm going to get my reading glasses on. And go ahead and comment if you want in, the, in, in that about my glasses. But uh, anyway, as far as uh, let's see Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we're going to start there. We're going to see a dialogue here between a rich young man and Jesus. So in verse 17, Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And we'll stop right there, verse twenty-two. But as far as uh, this whole story here, this young man was trying so hard to do what was right. And the problem, though, is that there were strings attached to his obedience. There were there were flaws in his love, and actually, there were two flaws. Uh, that he, he reveals here, his focus was on his outward behavior, and his focus was also on his possessions. Now, the first man's uh, question here betrays that first flaw in his thinking. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And deep down, he thought he was already good enough, and if not yet quite living up to God's standard, at least capable of making some changes he focused his attention on how he looked on the outside. Now, outwardly, he was upright, he was moral, but he didn't see the sins that lurked within, inside him. Now, after Jesus recited several of the commandments, the young man responded, I have kept all these things. Now, we might, we might snicker to ourselves a little bit about that and think, yeah, right, you kept all of those commandments. But Jesus did do that. As we see that in, in that portion of scripture, it says that Jesus loved him. I think that's important sometimes. When we think that some, some people around us are going, Yeah, well, I've done that. I, I, I'm a Christian, all that. Uh, the best thing to do is just to love them. You know, I think Lyra says it's best. God bless your heart, you know, bless your soul. Anyway, so still, this man had, had concluded that his relationship with God was dependent on what he himself did. Like so many others, even many people today, he was blind to the truth. And the Bible puts it pretty clearly, pretty bluntly in Ephesians chapter two, verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. How much plainer can that be? We are unable to do anything to help ourselves. Dead is supposed to be dead. Corpses don't get up and get a glass of water, they're dead. Apart from Christ, there is not one ounce, not one percentage of positive spiritual instinct within us. We are free to choose what what, what we desire, but our desires remain in bondage to our evil urges. You remember Paul's struggle in Romans chapter 7. He says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And then he goes on to say, later on in that chapter, So I find this work, this law at work in me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he asks, uh, in, in verse 24 of Romans chapter 7, What a wretched man am I, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Pretty clear that earning eternal life by our own efforts is pretty impossible. We can't focus on ourselves and what we can do to earn eternal life. And As followers of Jesus, we need to surrender and obey with no strings attached. And this leads us to the rich man's second flaw. His first flaw was his focus on himself. His second flaw second flaw in his focus on his possessions. Now Jesus wanted this this rich, powerful, self-sufficient young man to to basically repent, repent of uh, commitments to his material goods and to depend totally on Jesus for life. that life with him right there now on earth, but also life with him after his life ends. And this is called it's called for drastic action and look back on, on Mark chapter 10 verse 21, Jesus told him, he said, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Only in doing this would the rich man discover that security and hope come from Jesus, not from material possessions. Jesus is the source of life, of the life that is really life. And I believe in these days as well, This lesson will be learned uh, by all followers of Jesus. Just look at the financial situation of our country right now in the midst of this coronavirus. We are seeing uh, incredible lows in the stock market right now. Businesses are suffering from uh, government mandates and people are going without work here because they they aren't able to, to do the things because the businesses are closing. If you are someone who finds security In your financial situation, that rug might be pulled out from under you as you face possible unemployment and loss of your your retirement funds. We need to discover that our hope and our security is in Jesus, not our possessions. And as we follow him, we need to surrender and obey with no strings attached. Salvation, understand this, salvation is the gift of God. It, It comes to us without any cost on our part. But there is a cost in discipleship. Fishermen leave their boats and nets. A tax collector leaves his lucrative tax table. Men and women leave family and walk away from friends. Jesus' call to follow is not one more obligation to add to our daily routine, but it is a call to surrender all of our obligations, all of our treasures, all of our loyalties, to the one who says, Follow me. Jesus is not looking for admirers. He's not looking for fans like Kyle Eidelman speaks about in his book, Not a Fan. Jesus is looking for followers. You can admire from a distance yet remain relatively unaffected. You can be a fan, and as a fan you can cheer Jesus on uh, from the stands and and know nothing of the sacrifice. The followers on... on, uh, Followers, on the other hand, have their lives turned upside down. They, they are people who are ready for Jesus to interfere with their lives. That's who followers of Jesus really are. Kyle Eidelman, as I mentioned in his book, Not a Fan, he speaks about this. And in a portion of, portion of his book, I want to talk about a, a paragraph there and read it to you. He says, fans don't, find, fans don't mind him doing a little touch-up work but Jesus wants complete renovation. Fans come to Jesus thinking tune-up, but Jesus is thinking overhaul. Fans think a little makeup is fine, but Jesus is thinking makeover. Fans think a little decorating is required, but Jesus wants a complete remodel. Fans want Jesus to inspire them, but Jesus wants to interfere with their lives. And I believe Jesus wants to interfere with our lives as well, especially during this time. He wants to come in to your life and let you know there is peace, there is hope. You need to trust in Jesus and let him get you not only through this moment, but also to eternity with him. And that takes uh, trust in him, what he's done for you already. And this is what Jesus was getting at when he spoke about the camel and the needle. After the young man left, Jesus' disciples found themselves a bit confused by what they had just heard uh, look with me here in Mark chapter 10, mm, starting with in verse 23. He said, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a r- rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, "With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God." Now, if you think about it, this portion of scripture can be actually kind of comical, <clears throat> pretty funny, an incredible mental picture. Actually, many different explanations have been given to explain this figure of speech, but it's just as possible that Jesus Jesus simply had in mind. Uh, the object of the names that he, he he had there. A needle used by a seamstress and a kind of camel that carries large burdens through the desert. He could possibly have meant that. And I have a hard hard enough time trying to get that sliver of thread through the eye of a needle. But then you think about a camel going through the eye of a needle? A real life camel. Okay, that's, that's kind of strange. And I thought of it could be pretty comical if it wasn't for the fact that our eternal life hangs in the balance. True freedom can come only from outside us, from the work of God on our behalf. The work of God in creating faith and the heartfelt desire to honor our Savior with our lives. The rich man walked away sad and spiritually bankrupt. So far as we know, he never caught on. I don't believe he realized that a follower of Jesus requires surrender and obedience. With no strings attached. So what about you? What about you? Jesus is calling you and he's calling me just as he called the rich young man and he says, follow me. And I believe three things here that we need to realize. Three things out of this we really, really need to consider. First, following Jesus isn't a passive thing. Following Jesus isn't a passive thing. Jesus has said in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Our lives will be turned upside down. And uh, as we deny ourselves and embrace the difficult times, knowing that Jesus is with us, that's a follower of Christ. Being able to go through those moments in an active way and following Jesus isn't a passive thing. That's why it's important as a follower of Jesus to surrender and live in obedience. A second thing I think we can get out of this is that following Jesus isn't an impossible thing. Following Jesus, relying on him, living with him as our focus, it may all sound so impossible. Now, how can we do that every day? Uh, and, and it will be impossible if it depends on us. But with God, all things are possible. The power of the cross enables us to follow. And it's pretty ironic that an instrument of death gives us life. But that is exactly what the cross does. It reveals the glory of Christ's love. And as it does, Jesus clothes us in the garments of salvation and the robe of his own righteousness. No strings attached there. And one last thing I think we need to consider as well in all this is that following Jesus is everything. After Jesus gave a very difficult teaching about his body and his blood, many of the disciples no longer followed him. And you can find that in John chapter chapter, uh, 6. But in fact, let me read uh, uh, verse 66 through 69 to you on this. It says, From this time many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. There is no other way. There is no one else. Jesus is the one. To whom shall we go? Following Jesus is everything. And even though following Jesus needs to be an active thing and an intentional process that requires our surrender and living in obedience, it will be worth it all. So as followers of Jesus, we need to realize that our commitment to him is a call to surrender and obey with no strings attached. So what keeps us from that? What is it that keeps you from this commitment? Is it fear? Is it maybe fear of the unknown? What will happen if I commit commit myself to Jesus in this way? Is it a fear of maybe a loss of control? Because like we talked last Sunday, that's what fear is kind of all about. The unknown around us and not knowing it. uh, The loss of control and not being able to be in control. The thing is that Jesus calls us to surrender. Allow Him to be in control. And so if you go through situations these days that you feel all out of control and of the unknown, uh, don't let that get in the way of following Jesus totally in surrender and obedience. We need to do that these days. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 62, talk about something else that went on, but also relates to this as well, too. It's a scenario where all these people are saying, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus, but... And then they give an excuse. I need to go back and I need to take care of my parents. Or I need to go back and I need to take care of the, 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 the field out there and plow it and everything. And, and so in that portion of scripture, we get all these excuses. And then Jesus says this in verse 62. He says, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So my question to you is, what's causing you to look back? You get the hand on the plow. You're following Jesus. But what's causing you to look back? Whatever it is, lay it at the cross. Lay it at the feet of Jesus and let him take care of it. Your fears, the unknown, the what-ifs, give to him. He can take care of those things. As I pray here, close our time out, I just want to invite you to be, be in prayer as well if there's something that's in your life that's causing you to not be the follower of Jesus that he wants you to be, lay it down. Let Jesus take care of it and trust him with it. Let me pray with you guys. Lord Jesus, I ask that you just continue to be with each one here. And Lord, as your message has gone out, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to remind each one of us that you are a God that can be trusted. And Jesus, you want the best for us. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through this day and the days ahead, that we would be found as followers of Jesus, those who have put their, their trust in eternal life in you, Jesus. And now we need to walk in your ways, and we need to follow you and to surrender our, our concerns, our lives, our, our, our goals to you and walk in obedience with you. And Lord, I pray for that one person that might be just asking you to help in this time. Help that person, Lord, to surrender. Help that person to live in obedience. And I pray that you meet that need in that person's life right now. Lord, thank you that uh, you are here with us, not only here uh, in front of this camera, but also to beyond that, wherever we're at in our, our homes right now, wherever we're listening to this and watching this. And I pray, Lord, that you would just touch the hearts right now that are in contact with my voice. And I ask, Lord, that you would just continue to speak to each heart clearly about the need to be that follower of Jesus that lives in total surrender and, and total obedience to you with no strings attached. Thank you, Lord, because you are the one who can do that in our lives. And help us, Lord, to just rely upon you in that. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together. We pray, Lord, that you be with us now as we go on our way and help us, Lord, to just uh, have a, a great time with family. And, Lord, we look forward to one day again being able to meet back together as a church family. We love you, Lord, very much.